Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, I want to make a confession this morning uh, to let you know something. Get something off my chest. I don't know if you know this about me, but I want Vertical Church to grow. I want our church to grow. I want our church to grow with just about every fiber of my being. And I want to be honest and transparent with you this morning. Because if you don't know that, then we haven't had a chance to, to talk. But, but if you don't know that, then you need to know a few other things, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, there are several things you need to know about being a follower of Jesus. And the first one is this. You are God's plan to grow his church. Like you are. And when it comes to Vertical Church, if you call Vertical Church home, here's the deal. You are God's plan to grow this church. You are our plan to grow this church. You are the key. You are the, 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 the primary mode through which God will grow his church. On top of that, in the New Testament, Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, this doesn't apply to you yet. If you're a follower of Jesus, he called you the light of the world. Which, which then he gave this kind of word picture and he said, you're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hill. Which when travelers would be traveling by in those days, they would see cities perched up on hills and they would know that's the direction I need to go for life, for safety, for rest. And they would head that direction. Jesus said, you're like that. If you're my follower, you are like a light. You are the light of the world. He also said, you're the salt of the earth. You are the thing that I sprinkle in the world to bring out my flavor. When I want people to know what I am like, I, I use you to, to flavor the world so that they know who I am and what I'm like. Jesus said, if you're a follower of me, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. He also said, he told us, he commanded us. He said, go into all the world and, and do what? Preach the gospel, baptizing people, discipling people. And he said he would be with us. And so if, if we know this, if we are followers of Jesus and we know that, that we are God's plan for growing his church, we know that he called us the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and he actually commanded us to go into the world and share the gospel. Let me ask you this question. Why then do Jesus' people hesitate? Why do we hesitate? Why, why do we kind of shrink back a little bit and not, not share? If our calling is to, is to lead people to Jesus, why do we hesitate? Why are, why are we awkward about it? I'm going to give you four reasons I think that we hesitate. The first one is this. I think we're afraid. I think so many times as followers of Jesus, we are afraid to share what Jesus is doing in our lives. We're afraid to, to share the gospel. We're afraid uh, be, because we have all these kind of misconceptions. We have these different ideas. Like, check this out. When I was in college, I was part of a ministry team, okay? And, uh, and one of the things that we did is we did door-to-door witnessing. Now, that's different than door-to-door inviting, okay? Our, uh, our block party team, they're, they're getting some people together to go door-to-door inviting. If you want to be a part of that, uh, check out the board or at least talk to Marissa at the board and she can hook you up. Door-to-door inviting is great. Door-to-door inviting is like, you know, for the block party, it's going to look like, you know, going meeting different people. Hey, we've got this big party coming up on October 9th, and we just wanted to make sure that you know that you're invited to come party with us, okay? That's cool. That's door-to-door inviting. That is not what I did in college. <laughs> what I did in college, here's how they taught us to do it, right? So, so basically, you knock on the door, and, and you're standing there, and when they open the door, some of the first words out of your mouth is, is 
excuse me, I'm from the church down the road, and I just wanted to come by and ask you today, if you die tonight, do you know where you would spend your eternity, either in heaven or hell? That's door-to-door witnessing, okay? And that freaks some people out. And let me tell you, when I was this college student, right, they told us when you knock on the door, then before they open it, you're just praying. You're just praying. And I promise you, every time I knock, I was praying, dear Lord Jesus, I just pray that you're with me today. God, please make sure they're not home because this is really weird and really awkward. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to leave this card and then leave God. Please don't let them be home. Right? I pray a lot, door-to-door witnessing. But some people think, like, that's what it means to share your, share your faith. That's what it means to lead people to Jesus. And so we're afraid because we don't want to be the, the, that kind of, like, that kind of uh, uh, person. Sometimes we feel like we're not qualified. Number two, we don't feel qualified. Like, we think we have to have this great presentation, right? Like, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? Like, what if they ask me to, to uh, you know, explain the Trinity of God and how God can exist eternally in, in three persons, but one, I don't know, I don't want to try to answer that question. Jesus is fully God and fully human, and how does that work? I don't know, I don't feel qualified. Don't ask me to lead somebody to Jesus. Don't ask me to share the gospel because I'm not qualified. Because we don't feel like we know all the answers. We feel like we don't have enough information. When the reality is, you don't need information. You just need to experience transformation and share that with others. Amen? I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's the reality. We don't need information. we got so much stinking information that we're lazy. What we need is transformation. We need God to transform our hearts and move us out of I don't feel qualified into I'm qualified because I know Jesus. And that's all I need. Right? Number three, the, one of the third things I think that, that we're hesitating is we don't want to be pushy. Right? Like we don't, we all know a pushy Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you're out hanging out with this person and they like the wait, waiter or waitress comes by your table table, and they're, they're all like, listen, do you know Jesus? You don't know Jesus is going to turn or burn and you need to get baptized by God, and you're like, shh, I just want my quesadilla. I'm not with them, right? Pushy Christians, those people, like, you squeeze them, and religion just right out, like, all the time. It's like, listen, dude, you just need to chill. You need to relax. I don't want to be a pushy Christian, and sometimes we think that that's the only option we have. If we're going to share Jesus, we're going to lead people to Jesus, then we have to be pushy. And we don't have to be pushy, but some people use that to hesitate. And number four, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, I think sometimes we're just complacent. I just think sometimes we're complacent. It's like, it's like, well, I know Jesus, and that's good, and I'm good, and so I'll just rest in knowing Jesus. Things are good with me, so I'll take it easy. But this isn't an eagle song, right? Like, you can't just take it easy. So so Jesus has stuff for us to do. And the goal today, right, is I want to talk about these issues and I want to I want to address some of them and others, right? And I want to motivate you to share Jesus with the people in your circle. That is the whole goal of today is to motivate you to share Jesus and maybe offer an invitation to church, offer an invitation to your house, offer an invitation to coffee where you can share what Jesus is doing in your life. Because I believe with everything in me that we are about to enter into a miraculous season here at Vertical Church. And it's not time for us to shrink back and it's not time for us to sit down and to be quiet. It's time for us to surge ahead because I believe that the best days of our church are ahead of us. The best is yet to come. We haven't even scratched the surface of what I believe God wants to do in us personally through our church and our community. I believe that we are about to see God blow our minds 
minds. And so I want to motivate you and pump you up to get you ready for the fall. Because I believe now is our time. Because here, check this out, right? We just came out of the summer, right? This is kind of the first Sunday after the summer's over. Labor Day's over. So now people are getting back to church, getting back to school, kind of ordering their lives, doing some new things. Well, the summer's over. Let me kind of put some pieces back, get a plan together, right? And I want us to be ready to offer an invitation because this is the prime time and this is a prime time to invite people and here's the really cool thing we averaged this summer in the summertime while people are going to vacation bush gardens the beach out of banks wherever else they want to go we averaged more this summer than we did all of last year so our attendance like you might look around and be like well it's not look doesn't look full to me it doesn't looks like the same as the summer it looks like the same as it was in the spring that means we're growing because people are checking out a church in the summertime. When it's warm, people go to the beach. They don't go to church, right? So, dude, you got to get ready. You've got you to brace yourselves for what's about to happen at our church when people get back into the swing of things and start coming. And I want us to be, I want us to be ready so that, we're not, so that God's not waiting on us to catch up. Now, we'll be playing catch up with God because he moves at God's speed. But I want us to be ready. So check this out. If you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 4. I told you, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to go today. I've been pumped all week. John chapter 4. This is a passage of scripture that we've looked at several times. Uh, It's the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus meets. We're not going to so much look at the encounter Jesus has with her in the first part of the chapter. We're going to go to the end of the chapter. Uh, So let me summarize for you what's going on in this part of, of the story. So Jesus is traveling and John says he has to go through Samaria, which he didn't really. It was really a detour, but Jesus knew he had an appointment with a woman who was searching for him, so he made a detour. Some of us need to make some detours in our lives because God is trying to lead us to people, but that's a different, uh, different rabbit trail. Anyway, Jesus stops because he's tired, okay? He's walking, he's traveling, it's the, it's the heat of the day, and he's tired, so he sits down. And his disciples, they go off to buy lunch. They go to, you know, they're, they're looking for a cookout or a Chick-fil-A. Uh, and, and it wasn't Sunday, so Chick-fil-A was open, and that was cool. Um, but, I mean, you know, right now everybody in the room is craving Chick-fil-A, and you can't get it until tomorrow. So anyway, this lady comes to the well, and it's noontime, uh, and it's hot. And she comes to the well, and she comes alone because most most people would go to the well earlier in the day or later in the day when it wasn't hot, when it was cool. But this woman's going because she wants to be alone. We don't know why. We don't know exactly what's going on in her life. Tradition, a lot of, a lot of tradition tells us maybe that she had been, uh, she had made some bad choices about with, with men in her life, and she was living with a dude now. Maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe the case is uh, she's been married a bunch, and every husband has died, and now she's just living with somebody who's taken her in to be kind to her, and so she's experiencing this loss and this pain. Maybe, maybe she's a slave, and she's been sold to various owner after owner after owner, and she feels completely, we don't know, all that we know about her is she obviously doesn't want to talk to anybody. She wants to be alone. There's there's some kind of hurt and pain in her life, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And it goes, and and, and he, he doesn't just pull out her phone and read her text messages. He pulls up her recently deleted photos and tells her everything about her life. And she says, she says, I perceive that you are a prophet, which is like, well, duh. And, uh, and later on, she says, she eventually comes to the point when she says, I know that Messiah is coming. And Jesus says, excuse me, I'm right here. Yes. 
At that point, the disciples come back, and that's where we pick up the story. Verse 27, chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, check it out on the screen behind me. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, (laughs) check this out, then leaving her jar. Now, this isn't the main point of the message. This is like one of those uh, parenthetical statements. But I think there are some of you who came just for this one thought that's not even related to leading people to Jesus, really. But you need to know this, that, that you can't do the thing God wants you to do until you leave behind the thing he wants you to let go. You didn't catch that. Let me try to say that a different way. You can't do the thing God wants you to do while you're holding on to the thing he wants you to leave behind. She left behind her jar. When she came, she was holding her jar. What did her jar represent? Maybe her insecurities. Maybe it was her insecurities that she's holding on to of this past, of all of these experiences that she had, and she leaves it behind. Maybe for her it represented her failure. And how she, how, she was a, how, how she felt like a failure in her identity. She came to the well as a public outcast, but she's going to leave as the first evangelist for Jesus Christ. Some of you can't do the thing God's calling you to do while holding on to the thing he's asking you to let go of. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you it's an addiction. Maybe for you it's a personality trait. Maybe for you it's a relationship. Maybe for you it's a crutch. But you can't do the thing God is calling you to do while you're holding on to the thing you need to let go of. She left her jar. The thing that, 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 that maybe identified her. She left it behind because she's got a new purpose and a new plan, a new future. Because she met Jesus. So she leaves. She's, I don't know if you know that. She is the first evangelist. Nobody else had shared the story about Jesus until she came along. Isn't that cool? Like, like a woman was the first person to talk about Jesus. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. All right, back to the story. Um, leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? i got five things I want to share with you this morning. Five things about leading people to Jesus. That if we're going to do that this fall, if we're going to take advantage of the season God has for us in front of us, these are five things I think we need to know. Number one, found people find people. Found people find people. What's the first thing this lady does after she meets Jesus? She goes back to town and she grabs people and she says, hey, I met a guy and I'm not completely sure about all of the theology behind it, but I think this is the dude we're looking for. I think this is the one we're waiting on. See, found people, when, when, here's what that means. Scripture says that when we come to know Jesus, that, that we are a new creation, which means that we are changed. And at the DNA level, now, now uh, in, in our makeup as a new creation, it means we have this automatic urge to go find other people. To go find people who haven't met Jesus yet. And so found people, find people, but that's the difficulty too, isn't it? Because, because when you are found, some of the people you need to find know you all too well. Keep in mind who these townspeople were. Remember, she came to the well by herself at a time nobody else was going to be there. She was trying to avoid these people just a few hours ago. But she's met Jesus. And now the people she was trying to avoid, she's trying to find so that she can bring them to Jesus. 
Sometimes there are people in your life that you've been trying to avoid. Why? Because they bring up all the junk you used to do. Isn't that just like some of our friends? Isn't that like family? Like a lot of times family does that, man. Like, they, Pastor Josh, you don't understand. These people that, that are in my circle, they knew me before I met Jesus. Yeah. And so anytime I talk about Jesus, they just bring up what I used to do. I get that. And sometimes it's not even what you used to do, right? Like sometimes it's those, sometimes it's like, look, I would, I would share Jesus, but if I invite them, they're going to throw up that string of words I released at work last week. <laughs> I've been coming to church now for about six months, but last week I unloaded on somebody, and they're going to bring that up if I invite them to church. The way, the way I acted, Pastor, was not very Christ-like at all. I went to that t-ball game, and I let the coach have it because he wasn't playing my boy. I can't invite him to church because of what I did. Let me give you some, let me give you some pastoral advice, okay? If you have that experience, like, you know, I would invite people, but but every time I seem to, like, want to talk about it, I'm so nervous that they're going to bring up the hypocrisy in my life. And, and, and if I want to invite them to church, they're going to be like, you? Here's the best advice I can give you. Own it. <laughs> Own it. Just admit it. Like, wait a second. Didn't you just unload? Yeah, I did. <laughs> You're right, I did. And listen, I got more issues than TV Guide, and I know you want me to tell you all about them right now, but I'm not going to do that. Invite you to church. You're right. I said that. You're right. I did that. And there's plenty more where that came from. You are absolutely right. I am a hypocrite, and I'm so thankful that I serve a God who loves me despite my mistakes and who welcomes me despite my sin. And even when I mess up, his arms are open wide, ready to forgive me. Don't you want to know a God like that? Don't you want to go to a church like that? Why don't you just come and sit beside of me, and we'll be hypocrites together? I'm so thankful there's a church that doesn't expect me to come perfect, but also will know that they won't leave me that way. You don't, you don't have to come here and be perfect, but also know that we're, we have no intention to leave you the way you came. We're going to preach Jesus to you, and Jesus is going to take care of all that garbage. But you come any way you want. Listen, my church, my church, dude, they will welcome you just as you are. You can sit with me, and we'll, we'll both be crazy together, right? Jesus is perfect, but I'm not, but he's working on me, and I'm leaving some stuff behind. <laughs> Found people. Find people. Just own it, man. Yeah, I know. I'm, I know I did that, but you still need to come to church with me anyway. I admit, I'm not perfect. Never said I was, but he is, and I think you ought to know. Found people. Find people. Let's keep on going. Verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Which is kind of like, what? Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, Jesus says, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. What does all that mean? It means a whole lot of stuff, but here's what I want you to realize this morning. Love where you are. Love where you are. 
How do we lead people to Jesus? We love right where we're at. Does it mean ge- geographically? Although this is a fine place to love, right? Like we got a lot of great stuff here. We got the beach. We got you know it's not a huge city, but it's got the conveniences of a big city and the traffic sometimes, and that's annoying. But still, just love where you are. But it's not geographically, man. It just it, it means love the people that are in your circle, wherever you go. Like 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 just. We're talking about the people that are right where you are. Do you hear the excitement in Jesus' voice? Jesus is so excited that he met a lady who was so spiritually hungry that she hung on his every word. And he's so excited that he forgot to eat. And he looks at him and he says, fellas, i got to fire you up because I just met somebody who needs me. And I just met somebody who's hungry and longing. And he says, he tells him, he says, I need you to see the way I see because when I look out at the people right around us, right in our community, they look like a field ready to be harvested. To hear the excitement in his voice, to love right where you're at. He says, listen, we don't have to wait. I know that sometimes, you know, in the farming world, you plant a seed and then there's a lag time before that thing grows and you can harvest it. And Jesus says, we don't have to do that. The fields are already white. God's already been working on people. In another part of John, Jesus will say that the Holy Spirit is moving throughout the whole world, convicting people of their sin and drawing them to a realization of Jesus Christ. And so, listen, you don't have to wait. The field is already ready to be harvested. When's the the last time you were so excited about inviting somebody to church? When's the last time you were so excited, like Jesus is excited, about, about the people in your circle ready to meet? Jesus. Jesus says it's like seeing the harvest ready and waiting to be gathered in. And I'm praying for our church. One of my prayers over the last month or so is, God, I don't want the harvest to rot because God's people don't have eyes to see it. I don't want the harvest to rot in the field because we don't have eyes to see that they're ready to be gathered in. When you look around, man, when you look around, you'll see people every day when you look with the eyes of Jesus. You'll see, you'll see people, you'll see people in your class who are hurting and, and broken, who need to hear from Jesus. When you look around with the eyes of Jesus, you'll see people in your gym working out who are discouraged, who have just gone through a hard, difficult time in their life. When you, when you have the eyes of Jesus, you'll see people at your work who are searching and longing for truth. Longing for something real. And so many times, God's people don't have the eyes to see them. So love where you're at. Love right where you're at. You don't have to go across, you know, state lines and into another city, another part of the world to love somebody to Jesus. Love right where you're at. Number three, let's keep on going. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was her testimony. So simple. Here's the third thing you need to know about leading people to Jesus. Tell what you know. Just tell what you know. It didn't have to be complicated. All her testimony was is, hey, come meet a man. He told me everything I ever did. What, What did she do? She just told her story. She just told her story. She said, look, I met a man. And, and, and that encounter so changed, I think you ought to meet him too. 
I, 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 I met this guy. Look, it's not a theological seminar. It's not a 12-point presentation with PowerPoint and keynote and, and handouts and fill in the blanks. You don't have to have all of that. Just tell what you know. Just tell what you know. I met Jesus. Here's what happened. You want to meet him too? It's your story. It's your story. You don't have to be nervous about telling your story. You don't have to worry about getting your story right because it's your story. Be bold in your story. Well, Pastor Josh, I don't want to come across like a used car salesman, right? Listen, that's a lie from Satan to get you to shut up. You don't have, that's not the only option. The only options in life is I come across like a used car salesman or I don't say anything at all about Jesus. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to be annoying. You don't have to be pretentious. Pretentious. Just tell what you know. Look, time in my life, I was going through hell. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. My marriage was crumbling. My kids hated me. I was getting addicted to this and that. And then I met Jesus. And it didn't all change overnight. But every time I took a step and trusted him a little bit more, parts of my life got better. And now I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. But my marriage is stronger. My kids actually like me. I'm not leaning on that substance. My life is improving and getting better. And I just think you ought to give him a try. Just tell what you know. That's all he wants you to do. Just tell what you know. I used to be angry, and now I'm not. I used to be envious, and then I met Jesus, and he's changing me, and he's calling me to leave some stuff behind. You don't, you don't have to be professional, and you can't overhype him. You just have to be real. And here's the reality, man. Real stories connect with real people. So just tell what you know. That's how you share your faith. You just tell what you know. Number four, look at, look at verse 40 and, and on. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Here's the fourth thing. Bring others where you belong. Just, just bring others where you belong. If you have found belonging and community and hope in church, then bring others where you found belonging. Bring others to a place where you found community. Bring others into a place where you found new life. And here's, here's kind of a side note. When you belong to the church, others in your life will believe in the church. The church has a horrible reputation in our world today. And it's because a lot of God's people don't belong to the church. They rent the church. They don't own the church. They don't take ownership of the mission. They don't take ownership of the gospel. They rent it when it's convenient. And they walk away when it's not. If you belong, they'll believe. And when you invite them to a place where they don't have to believe, but they can belong, eventually they'll believe. Because they'll experience it. When's the last time you invited somebody to church? Dude, I invited two people just this past week. Like, one of them already goes to a church, so obviously he's not coming. Another one didn't say yes or no, but here's the thing. If I get out of the habit of inviting people, that's when it's real easy to go into the mindset of, of well, they won't come anyway. Which it's, it brings us to the last thing. We, 
we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Uh, number five, it's only awkward in your head. <laughs> Seriously, it's only awkward in your head. It's only awkward in here. Like we ask we ask ourselves this question, like, well, won't they think I'm weird? Listen, they're probably weirder than you are, right? They'll just be excited to have another weird person to hang out with. They're probably weirder than you are. They're probably crazier than you are. But once we get into the habit, once we get in the habit of telling people about Jesus, sharing our story, inviting people to church, it just becomes normal because it's only awkward in your head. It becomes just what we do, right? But we think sometimes, well, man, I'm going to mess it up. What if I mess it up? God is bigger than your ability to mess it up. You might invite somebody to the wrong church. Like you might invite somebody to the wrong church and they show up at the wrong church and meet the right God and have their life completely changed. And three years later, they see you and they're like, hey, remember when you invited me to church? I went. You didn't show up. I couldn't find you, but I found Jesus. And now my life is radically different. You can't mess this thing up. You are not that powerful. Your mess up cannot short circuit the power of the living God. So just do it. Because it's only awkward in your head. It's only awkward in your head. Let's, let's, let's close with this. You know, you've heard me, if you've been around a long time, I've shared before how there are a million plus people in the cities right here in Southampton Roads. When you talk about Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Chesapeake, Suffolk, there's over a million people. Statistically, they say about 800,000 of them don't attend church. That's just what the statistics say for our area. 20% of people attend church on any given Sunday, which means roughly 80% of the people in our area do not have a life-giving relationship with Jesus and his bride. Now, those numbers are really kind of overwhelming, right? Like, it's hard to grasp 800,000 people. That number is so big that when I look at it, I just want to give up because it's like, that's what I don't even know what you're talking about. That's just too hard to grasp. So I wanted to put it like this. Let's show the first thing. Four out of five people you meet in Target, Starbucks, or Cookout don't have a relationship with Jesus. Think about that for a second. Four out of five people that you meet on any given day, statistically, probably don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you're grocery shopping, Harris Teeter, Food Lion, Walmart, or wherever you do your grocery shopping, Kroger, I don't know, maybe you're fancy going to the new Kroger, right? Four out of five people that you cross in the aisle at the grocery store, they don't know Jesus. Four out of five. When you're doing CrossFit or you're working out at the Y, statistically four out of five people that you see there, they don't know Jesus. When you're pumping gas at Wawa or 7-Eleven or Exxon, four out of five people would stand next to you. They don't know Jesus. When you're at the soccer field after school, when you're going to parent-teacher conference, when you're hanging out because you got to do, you know, you got to hear another recital that makes your ears bleed, right? Four out of five people that you come across, they don't know Jesus. Four out of five people that you give your credit card to, that you tip at a restaurant. Four out of five of them, they don't know Jesus. Here's the next thing, right? 95% of all Christians never lead another person to faith in Christ. 95% of them don't have a story that says, I invited this person, they came to my church, they met Jesus, and I was part of their story of faith in Jesus. Here's here's something that, that this is, this is, that's, 
frustrating, but this is sad. The next one right here. 90% never even try. Four out of five people in our community don't know Jesus, and nine out of ten of us will never even try. Think about that for a second. Never even try. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Here's the, the last thought that I want to leave you with. We can be history or we can make history. We can be history. We can fade into the background of our community and be just another church with just an average number of people attending it and just never never real, maybe two or three people come to know Jesus every year and we can, we can be history or we can decide four out of five people I meet are going to hear about Jesus. So we can be history or we can make history. I don't want to be history. I want to see Jesus make history through our church. And here's how we do it. One person at a time. Pull out the program that you received when you came in. Everybody should have one. Here's, here's what I want you to do. On the back of that program, there are those five blanks. One, two, three, four, five. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of five people in your circle who don't currently attend church. They don't currently attend church. They don't have a life-giving relationship with Jesus and his bride, Jesus and the church. Five people in your circle. They may be somebody, you might not know their name, right? But if you don't know their name, how do you know they don't attend church? But find out, okay? Um, Four out of five, five people, five people on that list. Write them down, write them down. You might do it today. You might do it when you go home. Uh, you might do it tomorrow. I, I don't want you to not do it, okay? Write it down. Now, later, sometime, write it down. And then put it somewhere where you can see it. You might put it on your, your mirror in your bathroom so you see it when you're getting ready. You might write it on a different piece of paper, put it in your wallet, in your purse. You might put it on your fridge. But if you invite them over to your house for dinner, take it off of the fridge first, okay? They would get really weirded out if they saw their name on your refrigerator, okay? Trust me. Four out of five, or five, five people that you know that don't currently attend church. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying for them. Every day. Start praying for them. Just start praying for them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting a timeline on when you invite them yet. Just start praying for them. Because here's what I know. Prayer is powerful. And if you'll start praying for them, I will, I feel so strongly right now that 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 those people you write down, you will have an opportunity to share Jesus with them before Thanksgiving. God will open up the door of opportunity for you to invite them to church, to share something about Jesus. Something's going to happen, and I want you to be ready for the opportunity when it comes. So get ready. Don't don't pass this off. Don't say, I'll do it, and then throw it in the trash. Don't do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because we can be history, or we can make history. We make history one person at a time. Five people that you know don't know Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.